1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Football Friday, Grant and Danny taking you up to 630. Thanks much for listening to the show. Here's your last opportunity to win tickets to see the Impractical Jokers. Caller number 10-800-636-1067. You're getting a pair of ticks. They are coming to D.C., the Drive, Drive, Drive Tour. Sunday, February 19th, Cap One Arena. You're going to be entered as well into a raffle for the grand prize. Two meet-and-greet passes. Tickets are on sale now. For tickets and more event information, go to thefandc.com. Without further ado, let's get to the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting ops. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app, visiting BetQL.com. Brad Spielberger of PFF joins us right now. Awesome to have him back on the show. Brad, huge weekend of playoff football ahead. Give us your favorite game. You get to watch only one. Which one are you choosing?
3: I'm probably going, how could you not watch, potentially the last game of Tom Brady's career?
2: You think he might retire? Because... I don't know if you've heard. Giselle can't make him retire anymore, man. <laughs>
3: I, actually really, I actually really don't. But, you know, just, just for the potential intrigue. Uh, but, no, I think he'll be playing next year, whether it's Tampa or elsewhere. But, hey, you can't miss it regardless.
0: So, what's your view of the Cowboys? I, I mean, I they had a couple of games, Brad, where they looked unbelievable. And then we just saw them firsthand here in D.C. last week where they looked like they'd never met. I mean, it, it was horrendous, that performance limping into the postseason. I got no idea who shows up on Monday.
3: I couldn't agree more with you on and everyone keeps talking about rightfully so. Dak Prescott going 14-37 for 128 yards and a pick and a touchdown, but they also ran the ball 26 times for 64 yards. So they couldn't do anything on offense no matter what they tried. They're a hard team to gate. They obviously have a good defense, but it has not been good for the last month or so. And I think Tom Brady, with the quickest average time to throw in the NFL at 2.3 seconds, that's how you mitigate a great pass rush is you don't even let him get home.
2: Yeah, they may well be able to do that. I'll say Dallas's pass rush wasn't as successful as I anticipated against a pretty porous Washington group last week as it is. I mean, should we just wash that game away, or, or are there things to keep in mind? Like, how do you feel about that dud in Week 18? Because it does feel like maybe the betting market hasn't thought much of it, but people, as they're thinking about this game, can't seem to knock it.
3: I don't think you can completely wash away. I agree with you. It's kind of it seems like it's being ignored, but they genuinely tried, at least in the first half, to come out and win that game. Like any any excuse of they didn't care or yada yada is really not true. Um, and, and I think also there are fundamental issues to point to. Like I'm not really sure why Tyron Smith, maybe a future Hall of Famer at left tackle, comes back from injury and you decide to kick him back over to right tackle. I, I know they want growth from their rookie first rounder Tyler Smith at left tackle. He is the future at that position, but. He struggled last week. He's struggled since he started playing right tackle, which makes a ton of sense. It's a big adjustment. I think people think it's so easy to kind of shift positions, that it's not, especially when you have played that long. So, you point to that. You point to some injuries in the secondary that have led to some younger players playing. Maybe Tom Brady can take advantage of that a little bit. Look, I don't think they're a doomsday scenario. They easily could win this game. Um, but but there's reason for concern, no question in Dallas.
0: Brad Spielberger with us here on G and D. Write me a Seattle script. Is it something to do with the weather? I don't know.
3: That's pretty much their only hope. But even then, it really it doesn't really bode well. If this becomes a running game, which it should be, as you mentioned, the wind and the rain, the Niners have the second best run defense, and the Seahawks have the twenty fifth best run defense. And that was with linebacker Jordan Brooks, their former first rounder, who's a really good player. He's out for this game, so I really can't write you a script because the one thing I could probably point to was. You know, the, the Niners, if you're going to attack one area of their defense, throwing on their corners, they've been okay. They get protected by this phenomenal defensive line. And obviously, Geno Smith now with a healthy Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf loves to attack down the field, attack down the sidelines on big chunk plays. But with the weather, that's going to be hard to do.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not sure if the weather can save the Seahawks in that game. Brock Purdy comes in on fire. He's playing really, really well. 13 touchdowns, 3 picks over 6 games. But this is the number 1 defense and the number 5 offense, according to the analytics. He's driving a Ferrari. I am conflicted on how much credit to give Purdy here, because I think Shanahan's the best play designer and schemer in the league, and he, again, has been given the keys to an awesome whip. So what should we be thinking about Brock Purdy?
3: Look, I agree with you, no question, that Kyle Shanahan is the best in the business right now, but... The interesting thing with Purdy is everyone keeps comping in the Jimmy Garoppolo, and they kind of just assume he's a fellow checkdown artist that just lets their you know Ferrari offensive weapons go to work. But he's really not. He, he's taking some shots down the field that Jimmy Garoppolo probably would shy away from, which is good and bad. Uh, he probably should have more than those three interceptions. He's gotten away with a couple of YOLO balls over the last couple of weeks, but you know it is crazy. He's laying nine and a half points as a rookie, you know, in his seventh NFL start, whatever it is. Um, In a playoff game, it's pretty crazy, but I think he has the ability to do it. If he doesn't get confused by opposing defenses and maybe they show him things he hasn't seen at this level, but the NFC is just not a good conference right now. And these defenses really, you know, maybe besides the Dallas, like we talked about, none of these defenses should really scare anyone. Uh, in fact, the opposite. Most defenses in the NFC are pretty bad, at least in one facet of play. So, Uh, As crazy as it sounds, they might be my favorite in the NFC. Brad, I'm
0: terrible at predicting games. I think especially playoff games. Um, So I may just fade myself and put money down on the Chargers, but I like Jacksonville in this matchup. I I feel... Good about them, especially after that defensive performance against Tennessee in the must-win when their offense wasn't doing much. They won in a different way. I like Doug Peterson. I just feel weird energy and vibes right now with the Chargers and the whole we're going to play everybody and lose in Denver and Mike Williams' injury. I don't know, man. Am I just overthinking it?
3: I'm not sure you are. I would have just ridiculously stupid decision to play those guys, guys that already dealt with injuries during the season. Obviously, Mike Williams, the player of note, who now it comes out has a fracture in his back and probably couldn't play until a Super Bowl, which they're probably not going to make without him. Look, obviously, they beat the Brakes off them in week three, but that was the game after Herbert's rib injury. They had other injuries as well. Didn't have Joey Bosa for most of that game, but he got hurt in that game, and now he'll be back. So the only thing I would say pointing the Chargers' favor is, The Jaguars have a really, really good run defense. We saw that against the Titans. Derrick Henry, almost every first and ten run was for one or two yards. He really couldn't do much at all, but they're not a great pass defense. And the Chargers don't run the football. They kind of use Austin Eckler on screens and quick outs as kind of a pseudo run game. So that works in their favor. But look, how about a, a head coaching mismatch? I mean, Doug Peterson versus Brandon Staley. And Staley has been better. The defense has played much better as guys have gotten healthy. But yeah, the Jaguars are a plucky underdog in this one.
2: No doubt about it. Our guest, Brad Spielberger, breaking down the NFL playoff picture on Grant and Danny. Jacksonville, four point seven yards per carry on the year. I think they do some good things with designs for Trevor Lawrence to help their running game, but Etienne's been fantastic. Chargers give up one forty five and over almost five and a half per carry. How could the Chargers stop the run in this game? They haven't been able to do it all year long. And I'm not sitting here pretending like that's the end all be all in twenty twenty three. But you've got to be able to do it better than they do at some point.
3: Yeah, so one thing they started to mess around with a little bit, particularly when Bosa was out, but that was bringing Derwin James down on the line, not even the box, literally playing like a pseudo-edge defender or kind of a contain and quarterback spy, but that would be in run fits, and that did work for them a little bit. Maybe you don't have to do it as much now with Joey Bosa healthy, but I think that's the answer. Their off-ball linebacker play with Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray and whoever has really just not been good. Um, you know, so, so that's probably the way you stop the run, but if you sell out against this team to stop the run, I mean, the Jaguars have a bunch of pass catchers, guys that can win downfield and Marvin Jones, and Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, I think is going to do well against Bryce Callahan, a, a good player, but you know, dealt with injuries, getting older in his career. And I, like I said, Doug Peterson, you mentioned as well, he's going to scheme things open for them. He's going to have sequences that come back later in the game, and maybe confuse the defense, show them different looks, do different things. You know, it's it's going to be a great battle. All of these answers, I would say, skew me towards maybe playing the over in that game. I think both teams will be able to score in this matchup. At PFF
0: underscore Brad for our guest, Brad Spielberger here on GND. Um, Brad, I'm going to skip that Buffalo game here for a second because I am fascinated with Minnesota. For for a million different reasons, everybody thinks they stink. I mean, they got outscored by three points yet they were thirteen and four this season. It defies everything we know about like predictive stats and and and, and otherwise. Everyone now just kind of seems to think they're just going to roll over and die, and the Giants are going to beat them on the road in Minnesota. I I don't know, man. I I don't want to see people sleeping on the Vikings. I don't think they're going anywhere, but I feel like people are kind of sleeping on the Vikings. I think they win this matchup. Am I nuts? So I wouldn't
3: definitely wouldn't call you nuts, uh, and I think it is funny that they win all these one-score games and have a bad point differential going from a coach that said, hey, if we play great defense and protect the football, that's how we win these close games. They bring in an offensive head coach who says, no, we're going to outscore people, and we're not going to maybe have the worst defense in the NFL, yeah. um, and they end up winning all these games. But look, I am on that bandwagon that supports the Giants in this matchup. It's almost too many people. It's kind of making me nervous now. but. Losing right tackle Brian O'Neal is a massive, massive loss. Probably a top five right tackle in the NFL. We know the Giants blitz more than any team in the league. Kayvon Thibodeau is starting to really look like the dude we thought he was going to be coming out of college. They also have Aziz Ojalary healthy on the other side. And then Kirk Cousins' kryptonite is interior pressure. He's pretty good at stepping up at the pocket when it comes from the outside. But Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, one of the best interior duos in the NFL. I mean, look, these teams played about a month ago. It was a two-point game. Adoree Jackson did not play in that game. And, look, he's not going to shut down Justin Jefferson, but Jefferson had, I think, 11 catches for 130 yards or something like that in that game. Maybe he doesn't do that again. Um, I hear you. I think maybe it's gone a little bit too far. But if I'm being honest, that's my favorite upset pick of the weekend mm-hmm. is the New York Giants.
2: 12 catches for a buck 33 for Jefferson against the Giants. Hawkinson in that game, by the way, 13 catches for 109 yards. The entire offense basically went through those two guys. The Giants in that game, by the way, Brad, hit Cousins 11 times and sacked him four times, and that was with Brian O'Neill at tackle.
3: Exactly right. There you go. And, yeah, I think Hawkinson will be a good matchup for them. They do get Xavier McKinney back. The Giants do it. Safety, who kind of you know plays all over and brings some different looks. So that'll help a little bit, but I think Hawkinson's going to be the guy. If you're into player props and stuff like that, they're going to focus a ton on Jefferson. And I think when they do blitz, throwing into the blitz, which is you know kind of what you're taught to do as a quarterback, I think that guy is going to be TJ Hawkinson in the theme, maybe with some favorable matchups against a bad linebacker core and, and a safety core that's diverse and does you know interesting different things, but maybe can be exploited a little bit. So he's a guy I think will again be a focal point of the offense for them, no question about it.
2: How much does getting Bradbury back at center help? Because as you said, the D tackle spot is where teams have kicked their butt. Washington did it here at FedEx Field. We saw Allen and Payne just chew the Vikings apart and they were playing the last couple of weeks with a third-string center because two guys went down. Looks like Bradbury's going to go, though.
3: Yeah, I don't want to be too mean, but I don't think it matters much at all, frankly. I mean, look, he's better than the third-stringer, but he's he's a very, very poor pass blocker. He's a good run blocker. He's good in outside zone. That's why they took him in the first round was specifically his prowess at playing in space and getting to the second level as his own run blocker, but... The Vikings haven't been able to run the football at all the last couple of weeks, um, and the Giants aren't great against the run. They should have some lanes for Dalvin Cook in this game, but yeah, I don't think Bradbury is is going to be you know the difference maker that gets them back on track.
0: For the Giants' perspective, to me, it's about their offense. If they can do enough, I, then I'm with you here, Brad. I just I know Minnesota's defense stinks, and you and I could probably go for a hundred against them. I just don't <laughs> what, know
2: two games where Jones threw for three hundred.
0: Yeah, you? I just don't know where they'll get enough offense, even against a, a crappy Minnesota defense. Walk me through that.
3: Yeah, that, that is certainly fair. Um, you know, obviously, they get to Darius Smith back healthy. He said he's been dealing with something for a while. I really do. I think it's the worst defense in the playoffs. But, yeah, the Giants offense is not dynamic by any means. You know, they've obviously had injuries of their own. They're going to be thrown to a bunch of you know, depth-wide receivers. Darius Slayton, the number one guy, was barely even on the active roster to start the season. Um, and, and now you know, him, Richie James, all these guys they have in the fold there – So that could be probably how they win it. If Minnesota can have a good defensive performance, can keep this thing a little bit lower scoring, can score themselves because the Giants defense is nothing special, I think that'll be the way. If it is a shootout and Daniel Jones, you know, on some design runs and and using Saquon Barkley in play action and and option runs and and zone read and all that stuff, that I think is the way. You get the run game going, you get Minnesota committing more guys to the box maybe, and then you just target every cornerback not named Patrick Peterson um, and and probably do fairly well.
2: Yeah, just move the ball at will, and don't turn it over, and you'll probably be okay against that defense. Brad Spielberger's is with us on Grant and Danny. Ravens-Bengals, Cincinnati, eight and a half point spread now. The line has moved uh, in Baltimore's favor slightly, but still catching eight and a half points on the road. No Lamar Jackson. Top receivers, and this is not new, but Bateman and Duvernay have been nowhere to be found. Those guys still aren't healthy, so they lack weapons. Why do you think there seems to be late movement towards Baltimore on the, in the betting market.
3: Yeah, and I actually helped on 9.5 myself. I think it was too many points, and, and it's because of the defense, right? So, you look at the Bengals and just their two games against the Ravens. If they took that EPA per play, you know, to the advanced metric, they'd be 30th. You know, one of the worst offenses in the NFL just against this Ravens defense. They're fifth overall in the season. Obviously, one of the best offenses in the league. And so, their right guard, Alex Kappa, got hurt last week against Baltimore. They're already without right tackle, Wyle Collins. That's the key there. If they can keep this thing super, super ugly, can limit this Bengals offense. They also haven't been able to run the football at all recently. Kind of just stopped even trying um, in the last couple of weeks. So I thought nine and a half points was too many. I do think Cincinnati's going to win, but you know they they won 16 last week with five turnovers. Right, like it, it, the score honestly should have been closer, could have been much closer. And and a healthy Tyler Huntley is better than Anthony Brown. So long answer short, I don't see them winning, um, but I did think 9.5 was too many points. I see this as like a 17-10, 20-13 type game. Brad, I want to go back to that Bills
0: game real quick. The couple times we saw them this year as kind of their own worst enemy. Right? There's that four-turnover game against Minnesota. Three turnovers against the Bears. Didn't hurt them because, frankly, it's the Bears. But that Patriots game, they only won because they had a couple kickoff returns for a touchdown. They had three turnovers on offense. I, that's the only way I could see them. I'm not even talking about this, this Miami game, but how they don't make it here is if they have one of those kinds of games.
3: Yeah, if they're turning over the football and, and giving opposing teams an opportunity to score, their defense has not been as good as it was to start the year. Obviously, losing Von Miller will go a long way. Very unfortunate he's out. He was pretty much signed for these games, not the first 18. Um, And then, of course, with DeMar Hamlin, look, no one cares about football when it comes to DeMar Hamlin. But he was already the backup safety to Micah Hyde. So now they're on their third safety there. And Jordan Poirier, their other star safety, not even close to 100% healthy right now. So you can poke some holes in their defense. I think Gregory Rousseau has really come on as a really, really good young edge defender. But it's not the same defense it was to start the season. If they're gifting turnovers to the opposing team, that, that's probably the way to do it. Um, I, I think they're going to do well against Miami. Miami's got a bunch of injuries. Teron Armstead is going to play, I assume, but again, not very healthy. Liam Eichenberg is out for this game. Uh, Bradley Chubb got his first practice of the weekend today, so he'll probably play, but not at 100%. Um, so I think they'll win this one, but I hear you. I, I have some concerns about the Bills. They were my Super Bowl pick before the season. I'm not so confident in that as of right now.
2: Brad Spielberger on Grant and Danny. Before we let you go, I want to localize this in D.C. for Commanders fans. You actually wrote a piece about Derek Carr and some possible landing spots, and you included Washington. Where would they rank among some of the teams that you think make the most sense and just provide some thoughts on that, if you would?
3: Yeah, so I did put them in kind of the honorable mentions category. I don't know if they're my top choice, but... Look, the, the issue there is they've gone the veteran route a couple times. Obviously, you can't hold it against Alex Smith, his horrific injury. You know, that, that honestly arguably did work out until that happened. Of course, with Carson Wentz, it's been kind of a nightmare. But when you're in that kind of quarterback purgatory of the first round where you just barely missed the playoff, you can't really get a quarterback in the first round unless you want to you know, move heaven and earth and make this massive trade-up to go get a guy, then it points back towards maybe being in that veteran market. So I don't hate it. I think it's kind of funny, the, the, the mentality of, going to an organization that was a once-proud franchise that now is kind of fallen on hard times. They want a, something to root for on Sundays, a guy to believe in that they feel is fully committed and just cares about nothing but football and the fan base. And that is Derek Carr. Um, but I think the Jets make a ton of sense here. I think Tampa is kind of an interesting choice as well if Tom Brady does lead. But, yeah, I think Washington is in the mix here. I wouldn't be surprised. Brad, thank you, buddy. Enjoy the
0: weekend, man. Thanks for the time. Thank, thank you, guys.
2: Great insight. Good look at the playoffs ahead by Brad Spielberger with us on Grant and Danny. We're breaking down every single game for you before this day ends. We'll also give you our confidence points picks today. But next, speaking of quarterback, let's talk Sam Howell and how much he should factor into an O.C. hire and Washington putting together its offseason plans. Do they need to decide on whether or not they're rolling with Sam Howell before they go get an O.C. to get someone who might help? Get the most out of him. Do they need to decide that before they figure out if they want to jump in on some veteran quarterbacks? Next on GD.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better